Thank you, ladies. And all God's people said, amen. Well, good morning, Burlington Baptist Church. I am glad to be here today. And uh, if you are a guest and you came here expecting Kent, I'm sorry about your luck. And you're wondering, who is this old dude? Well, I'm Eldie Campbell. I uh, am the pastor emeritus of First Church just right down the road. And I get the privilege and the honor of coming here every now and then uh, when Kent is away. Now, I, I just love your pastor. He's so real. He's so genuine. I love to be with him. He and Jim Willem, you know Jim Willem, my buddy Jim Willem, we do lunch together on a regular basis, and we solve all the Baptist problems and all the Christian church problems and the Church of Christ problems, and we've come to the conclusion if they would just put us three in charge, we wouldn't have all these problems. We would take care of them. I got a text last night from Kent, so this is where he is. Let's see where he is. All right. I, I don't know where that is. Where would that be? Does that look like the Grand Canyon? Now, this is all the way to Seattle, Washington, 2,060-some miles, and now they're turning around to come back uh, today. So uh, let's pray that he returns he returns safely. So he's having a he's having a he's having a good time. I always appreciate Kent's invitation to be your preacher, and uh, Joyce and I just come uh, love coming here. You make us feel so welcome. You make us feel wanted, and uh, we thank you for your gracious invitation. I love what you've done to the place. Uh, your renovation looks great. Uh, the size of your stage is good. Your sound system and your comfortable chairs. Now. We at First Church, we replaced our pews with comfortable chairs like this, and our folks love them. They say they're so much easier to sleep in than, than, the, than the pews were. So uh, if you want to drop off, just help yourself. I've heard this sermon. It's not all that great. Uh, I may drop off myself. So I want to talk to you this morning about our hope in heaven our home in heaven. You know, we don't talk enough about heaven nowadays. We get so caught up in the here and the now that we forget about heaven. And about the only music of heaven, the only people who are singing songs about heaven, is Southern Gospel. And uh, the songs that, uh, the old Southern Gospel songs uh, about heaven, we don't hear those much. Uh, anymore. So I want to talk about our home in heaven. Let's pray and we'll get into it. And now, Father, pour through me the gift of preaching. Take these human words and use them to speak to us today and give each of us just the message you want us to hear because we pray to you in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Home. Say it with me home. The word home stirs so many emotions. I have lived in 10 different homes, and I have a special memory of each of them. Look at the screen. This is where Joyce and I lived 52 years ago. Isn't that pathetic? Looks like a chicken house, doesn't it? Now, they've upgraded it since we were there. We were, this is in Meadowview, Virginia, our first church after seminary. And uh, they've upgraded it. They, we didn't have the air conditioners, 
and we didn't have the porch, and we didn't have the refrigerator on the porch. So the upgrades are good. Now, you see the window behind the refrigerator? That was our little dining room, and I had a desk in there where I worked, and this place apparently was on a swamp. Slugs would get in there and get on my feet and almost scare me to death, make me speak in tongues while I was studying. And, and we like to never got to kept the slugs out of that house. But uh, this is where we live now. Well, we're moving on. I, I, if I, I teach preaching at two or three schools, and if my students did something hokey like that, I would, uh, I would flunk them. Um, but they'll learn to do it when they get out of school. <laughs> three of the homes out of the ten I have loved the most. The, my home where my grandparents lived, my grandparents raised me. Our family lived in that old house for 70-plus years. And when Malkates died and it had to be sold, I was really surprised how emotional it was for me. I did not have a home anymore. The second home that I loved the most was our home over on Evergreen Drive. We raised our girls there. We lived there for 20 years. And I want to tell you, it was a place of activity, a hub of activity for our girls' friends and our friends as they came and they went. And the memories of that place are very precious. So I stopped by there the other day just to see if the girls' hands print was still in the concrete driveway, uh, and they were. Now, the third home that I love the most is where we live now, the home that you saw. We've lived there for 26 years. And I feel that it's just as important to Joyce and I and our girls and their husbands and our grandchildren as any place that we have ever lived. We have shared wonderful memories there, all kinds of celebrations, births, anniversaries, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, birthdays, any time that we could be together. Now, after the emotional experience that I had when the home I grew up in was gone, we're not thinking about downsizing anytime too soon. We'll crawl up the steps if we have to. And we want our children and our grandchildren to have the security of knowing that they have an earthly home and they can come back there any time that they want and we are more than eager to have them return. Now, I probably have one more move left. And uh, no matter how much I have loved these three homes, I have one more move left and that is to my ultimate home, my father's house. I will move into heaven. At least I thought so until recently. I got this brochure in the mail from Magnolia Springs Assisted Living and Memory Care. I don't know if the children have been talking to them or not, but uh, maybe, maybe, they, maybe they have. Now, the Bible uses a lot of words to describe heaven, and it seems like the favorite is the Father's house. And that seemed to be Jesus' favorite as well. Because he said, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you I go to a place for you. My Father's house. Now, that just provokes images of warmth and intimacy and the permanency of heaven. The best book that I have ever read on heaven, and I've read a lot of them, 
is a book by Roy Alcorn just simply called Heaven. If you want a good summer read, uh, get that book. It's the best I've ever read. Listen to what he says. Place is singular, but rooms is plural. This suggests Jesus has in mind for each of us an individual dwelling that's a smaller part of the larger place. This place will be home to us in the most unique sense. Ever thought about that? The term room is cozy and intimate. The term house or estate suggests spaciousness. That's heaven, a place both spacious and intimate. Some of us enjoy coziness and being in a private space. Now, that, that would be me. I don't know about you. Others enjoy a large, wide open space. Most of us enjoy both, and the new heaven will offer both. Now, we Christians are certain we are going to heaven, but we still live with this tension about it. The great scholar John Stott, who is my favorite author, he calls it the tension between the now and the not yet. Doesn't that, well, doesn't that describe it? The now and the not yet. And there's a tension between living now and in the not yet of heaven. And the apostle Paul experienced the same tension himself. He said in Philippians 1, he said, But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know how, I don't know which is better. Look, here it is. I'm torn between the two desires. I long to go to be with Christ, <clears throat> which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Now, Paul knows there's a whole lot more for Christ to do. But his heart also knows there's no place like the Father's house. And because we Christians know that heaven is our home, we live with this spiritual homesickness, this tension, as Stott calls it, between the now and the not yet. Craig Barnes is one of my favorite authors, and in his book, Searching for a Home, he says, One thing is certain from the Bible, heaven is our home, and it will, finally, it will be good to finally arrive at home. Amen. You know, when I'm coming home from a trip and I have my garment on, some of the sweetest sounds that that garment says to me, home on the right, home on the right. And it's good, it will be good to be at home. Heaven is our home, but we live with this spiritual homesickness. Now, why is that? Let's start with this. The constant stress of living in this sinful world. We have this tension about the now and the not yet because of the constant stress of living in this sinful world. Listen how the Apostle Paul describes our world. He said, in the last days, there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. <laughs> they will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and lovers of pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Is that today or what? Paul's not talking about the future. He's talking about today. 
And every day the news is filled. I've quit watching the news. Every day the news is filled with how sinful and crazy and cruel this world is. And about the time you think it could not get any worse, bam, you hear something crazy. And there is that tension between the now and the not yet. Folks, there are some things that are happening in our country I just cannot put my mind around. I just can't do it. The massacre in Las Vegas. I, I still wrestle with it. You don't hear much about that in the news. You, you never heard much about that. There was a, I had a dear friend whose granddaughter and her boyfriend and her mother were at that concert. And they got separated in the mayhem. And the mother didn't know if the daughter was alive. And the daughter didn't know if her mama was alive. And here was Barb at home knowing what was going on. Couldn't find out what was going on. And the tension was incredible till they found out that they were safe and they were sound. And even after the girl returned home, it took her weeks to get over the crisis of that and the tension of that. That's hard to put your mind around. i tell you another thing that I have a hard time putting my mind around was what happened at the First Baptist Church in Southern Springs, Texas. Remember that? Do you know that eight people in one family were killed? Eight. In one family were killed. Now, I prayed a lot for those people, and I prayed particularly for Pastor Pomeroy. And the only reason he and his wife weren't killed is they were away. He had to bury 26 people from his congregation, and one of them was his 14-year-old daughter. So the more wicked and sinful and cruel this world gets, the more homesick we get for heaven. The Apostle Paul speaks of this in Romans 8. He says, all creation anticipates the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Amen. Now, sometimes when I'm at a funeral home for visitation or I'm conducting the funeral, I will hear people say, well, now, death is just as normal as life and natural as life. And I want to shout, no, it isn't. Death isn't normal. Death is abnormal. Birth and life are normal. Normal is no sickness. Normal is no cancer. Normal is no suicide. Normal is no crying. Normal is no cemeteries. Normal is no death. Normal is no murder. Normal is no terrorists. Normal is no poverty. Normal is no hungry children. And normal is no heroin. Can I get a witness? And the more we live by the Holy Spirit, the more dissatisfied we are with the abnormal. The Holy Spirit reminds us this world isn't normal. There is more coming, and don't settle <laughs> for the abnormal. The Holy Spirit reminds us we aren't normal yet, and we live in a world that is just too fallen to feel like home. Johnny Erickson Tata, some of you will know who she is. Johnny Erickson Tata became a strong Christian witness and has for, I guess, 40-some years. When she was a teenager, she dove into a shallow lake and broke her neck, and she is a paraplegic. The only thing she could move is her face. She's been confined to a wheelchair now for more than 40 years. 
She wrote a book about heaven, and this is what she said. I always say that in a way, I hope I can take my wheelchair to heaven with me. I know that's not biblically correct, but if I were able, I would have my wheelchair up in heaven right next to me when God gives me my brand new glorified body. And I will then turn to Jesus and say, Lord, do you see that wheelchair right there? Well, you were right when you said in this world we would have trouble because that wheelchair has been a lot of trouble. But Jesus, the weaker I was in that thing, the harder I leaned on you, and the harder I leaned on you, the stronger I discovered you to be. So thank you for what you did in my life through that wheelchair. And now you can send that wheelchair to hell if you want. <laughs> Rob, can you identify with that? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Like Johnny Erickson, we suffer this spiritual tension, this homesickness, because of this constant stress of living in this sinful world. There's a second reason why that we find ourselves with a case of spiritual homesickness, and it is the confident assurance of a family reunion. The confident assurance of a family reunion. One of the first questions that people ask about heaven is, will we know each other in heaven? Now, folks, the Bible says that each of us who have inherited salvation, our names are listed in the Lamb's Book of Life. Jesus sent out the 70 on a preaching mission and a healing mission, and, a, and uh, they came back, and they were so excited because they had seen healings, they had seen people change, they had seen demons run and flee, and Jesus said to them, don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered as citizens in heaven. Remember the Mount of Transfiguration? Moses and Elijah appear with Jesus, and they kept their identity. And it's very interesting that the apostles knew who they were. How did they recognize them? I don't think Moses and Elijah had on name tags. They recognized them because the transfiguration is a prototype telling us that our future, in our future, in our future resurrection, our identities will be maintained. You will always be you, and I will always be me. I apologize to Joyce about that, but I will always be, I will always be me. And we will know each other. I cannot fathom the Lord getting all of his kids together, his family together, as total strangers. What kind of homecoming would that be? But listen to what the Apostle Paul says. He says that we will be reunited with our loved ones who are already there. He says, and now, brothers and sisters, I want you to know what will happen to the Christians who have died. You've got loved ones who have died. And so that you will not be full of sorrow like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus Christ died and was raised to life again, listen, we also believe that when Jesus comes, God will bring back with Jesus all the Christians who have died. Amen is right. 
then together with them, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and remain with Him forever. So comfort and encourage each other with these words. Our source of comfort isn't only that we'll be with Jesus and that will be great, but we will be with our loved ones who are already there. We will be reunited with saints we love. We will be introduced to saints that we admire. And in the new heaven and the new earth, we're going to, it's going to be populated with new friends to make besides the old friends. I tell you, there's some people I can't wait to meet. I cannot wait to meet Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers. Clovis Chapel was the greatest Methodist preacher that ever graced the Methodist pulpit. And I can't wait to sit down and talk to Clovis Chapel. John Stott, my hero, my favorite scholar. I, I just can't wait to sit down and talk to John about Romans 5, 6, and 7. Stephen Olford was one of my favorite preachers. I can't wait to see him again. Now, who's your favorite biblical character that you want to meet? I got mine. Who's your favorite biblical character? You're going to meet all those Old Testament prophets. Let me tell you something. You're going to meet Habakkuk and Nahum and Zephaniah and Zechariah and Haggai. You better read their books because when you meet them, they're going to say, did you read my book? So you better read your book. They better read their book. Strong in his book on theology says, we certainly shall not know less there than here. Amen. I heard an old Baptist preacher say, say, I hate to think I had less sense there than I have here. And if we know our friends here, we shall know them there. As we know our friends here, we shall know them there. Love to Christ draws us nearer to each other, so there we shall love friends, not less but more, because of our great nearness to Christ. In Trio, not too many weeks ago, the house sang an old hymn I hadn't heard in years, Oh, that will be glory for me. Remember the sign, friends will be there, I have loved long ago. Joy like a river around me will flow. And I have been... In, First church now for 46 years. I was six foot six when I came there. I had a full head of hair, and they wore me down to this nub. But for 46 years, I have been telling First Church at funerals, those who believe in Jesus never see each other for the last time. Amen. Say it with me. Those who believe in Jesus never see each other for the last time. Heaven is going to be one great big family reunion. We will be reunited with our loved ones who have died and we still miss them so very much. My grandmother has been dead now for 27 years and I'll tell you folks, there are days that I miss her more than ever. And there are times I will get so homesick for my, my loved ones that are, I'll say to Joyce, wonder what our old folks are doing. Just wonder what our old folks are doing. My grandmother raised me, and she lived to be 100 years and four months. And her mind was impeccable right up to the end. <laughs> In her latter years, she would say, if I don't hurry and die, my sisters and my brother Frank are going to think I didn't make it. <laughs> At our family reunion, 
We're going to meet great-grandparents whose faith helped get us there. And we're going to have family reunions with just friends, maybe family we hardly got to know. I only got to live with my mother three and a half years. Now I have all eternity now to spend with her. And now that I'm on the back nine of my life, I think a lot about that. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I've asked the Lord. I've asked the Lord if he will let First Church all live in the same neighborhood. I've asked, well, wouldn't that be great? I told Floyd, wouldn't I go down the road and sit on the porch and drink uh, sweet tea with Floyd Hicks? Wow, that would be really cool. When I said that, and a woman came up to me, <laughs> and she said, well, I don't want to live with you people. <laughs> she said, you're a loud and rowdy bunch of people. She said, I don't want to live with you people. I said, well, ma'am, I said, ask the Lord to put you on the other side of the heaven with the Presbyterians. They're pretty quiet people. <laughs> One of the things that makes us homesick for heaven is the confident reunion of loved ones and friends. But most of all, the best thing about heaven will be the consistent joy of being forever with Jesus. Amen. The consistent joy of being forever with Jesus. Jesus said, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. The Apostle Paul said, then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord, watch the word, forever. Paul said, yes, we know, we, yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. Paul said, for God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. Heaven will be heaven because of the consistent joy of being with Jesus forever. Dear old Fred Craddock, dear old Fred Craddock, one of the great, greatest preachers in this country. And he's the ones I want to, I want to set some time with Fred as well. Dear old Fred Craddock said, our hope is the anticipation of uninterrupted and undiminished pleasure in the presence of God. Hmm. See, folks, we were made for extreme intimacy with God, but that is not going to happen here. But John says in Revelation, for the throne of God and the Lamb will be there and his servants will worship him and they will see his face someday. We're going to look into the face of God and we're not going to be afraid. We're not going to be ashamed. We're not going to cower in fear. We are going to rejoice in joy. Now, I believe that God sometimes pulls back the curtain and gives us a glimpse of heaven. I've been doing this now for 55 years, and I have seen it, and you have seen it. God sometimes just pulls back the curtain and lets us see a glimpse into heaven. One Easter, Bob Russell at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville 
told about Anthony Berger's death. Anthony Berger died in February of 2006 at the age of 44. He was one of the greatest gospel pianists ever. And if you've been our service trio and heard Evan Dallas play, you know we have an Anthony Berger in Evan Dallas. Anthony Berger spent the last 10 years of his life playing for the Gaither Vocal Band and doing the Gaither Homecoming videos. Gaither and his crew were on a cruise, a Gaither cruise, a homecoming cruise, and Anthony Berger, of course, was there. There were 1,500 Christians on that cruise with Gaither, and they would vacation during the day, and then at night they would have a gospel concert. The fourth night out, Anthony Berger had just played a piano solo and then dropped dead at the keyboard. Everybody was distraught. Can you imagine? Becky Manley Pifford is a Christian author and conference speaker. She's a member of the Southeast Christian Church, and she was on that cruise as the morning Bible teacher. She had to get up and teach the Bible a Bible lesson the next morning after Anthony Berger's death. And Becky told Bob, she said, Bob, before I started the lesson, there was this little, quiet, humble, meek lady came up to me and said, Becky, I want to tell you what happened to me last night when Anthony Berger died. Last night, when Anthony Berger finished playing his piano solo, the spotlight went to the other side of the stage. But for some reason, I kept my eyes on Anthony Berger. I was troubled in my spirit. And it was as though the Lord were saying to me that night, I am going to reveal something to you that will be an encouragement to many, many people. She said, as I kept watching Anthony, suddenly... Standing behind him was an angel. The angel looked like he was about seven foot tall. He was dressed in white and gold. And he stood behind Anthony what seemed about 30 seconds. And then he reached out and put his hand on Anthony Berger's shoulder. Anthony looked up and then slumped down dead. And the angel disappeared. You know what Anthony Berger had just finished playing on his piano? We shall behold him. We shall behold him. Yes, we shall behold him. Face to face in all his glory, we shall behold him. Yes, we shall behold him. Face to face, our Savior and Lord. And just as soon as he finished it, he saw the face of his Savior and Lord. Now, we may question that woman's vision of an angel. I know that there are false claims out there. But I believe that sometimes God gives us an additional glimpse into the glory, the glory of heaven, and, brings us, and it brings us hope of our home in heaven. Now, they're rare. 
and they are not to be the foundation of our faith, but they quicken our anticipation of going home to the Father, don't they? And could it be, could those times be ways of encouraging us because we have about our assurance of a family reunion with our loved ones and the joy of being in the presence of the Lord forever. Amen? Will you pray with me? Before I pray, I, I want us to spend some time just in quiet reflection. As I said, I don't think we think enough about the joy of heaven and about the joy of being with the Lord forever. Right, right where you are now, will you just make yourself a little sanctuary and just reflect on the joy of being with your loved ones forever. And most of all, the joy of being in the presence of the Lord.